Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. If you would stand with me for a moment in honor of the reading of the Word of the Lord. I I don't ever want to take this book for granted. This is our only hope. Outside of this, nothing. Doesn't matter who's president. We don't have this. We have nothing. In fact, the psalmist actually said in Psalms 137 that he magnified his word even above his name. He magnified his word even above his name. So the power of this word is beyond imagination. I would like to read from the book of Job. Boy, that's a good Father's Day subject, isn't it? From the book of Job. Normally when we think of Job, we're not thinking of Father's Day. Chapter number one and verse number one. There was a man in the land of Uz, or Uz, ever how you prefer to pronounce it, whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. There were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. And his substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men in the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them I want you to pay close attention to these next couple of verses and kind of let it get into your head and it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? What are you doing here? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro and walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect, that means complete, and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. You can be seated. Thank you. I, I've never been one for titles. I, I've preached in this church right here many times and 
I always, these poor guys that have to try and follow the guys that are up here, I, I know that that sometimes is complicated. But I was praying just recently, and I had no idea I was coming here. In fact, I, I had no plans for Father's Day other than I'd be a father. And uh, I'd been through some, some trying times the last few months. And I was praying, just something you do, you know, daily, whenever you pray. And I was reading the book of Job. And I've always, I've preached on Job. I, I've been preaching next year, be 50 years. And I've, I've preached about Job and I've heard stories about Job. And I, I think I've heard Job preached about every way that you could preach Job. And I don't think there's a minister of any denominal church or any Christian faith in the world that hadn't preached Job multiple times because of all the lessons. And while I was reading Job, I actually saw something that I'd never seen about Job, if you can believe that. And, 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 I, I'm, and I don't mean this to sound in any way like I'm somebody, but I have read the Bible through, the entire Bible. I can't even tell you how many times. I read the Bible every year. I've done that for years and years. So it's amazing that every year I see something new, time and time and time again. It's, it, every year, every, I, I get a new revelation, a, a new feeling. There's, there's something in that scripture that I never saw this before. It's refreshing, I'll just tell you. But while I was reading Job, lo and behold, I saw something I'd never seen before. And so for your sake, I want to talk the subject I've chosen. And I'm just not good at doing this. I hate it when people get up and say, I have chosen today. It bothers me. That's why I never do it. I haven't done. But this one was different because before I got the message, I got this title running through my head. And I'm not against titles. I don't want you to think that. I just never did do it hardly. Job's job. I took it in. I needed a color printer because mine wasn't working. And I took it down to Office Max to print out some stuff that I had made notes on. And the guy looked at it. He thought it was Job's job. And Job's job. That's what I'd like to talk about. And I would like to present Job to you today in a different light. I know that we always go to Job when we have trials and troubles and we compare ourselves to the things that Job went through. And, and certainly nowhere in scripture do we find anybody that ever suffered more in such a short time than what Job did. And for no reason, as far as the human mind can, can figure, there was, there was no reason. And when this man, when the Bible says that Job was a man that feared God and shunned evil, that's his greatest virtue. In fact, Job had no other gifts. Job wasn't a preacher. Job wasn't this great theological genius that lived in his time. He was not it. Job was just a guy. And 
Yet, this book, and I hope that at the conclusion of this, you'll feel the same way I do. In all of my reading throughout the Word of God, 50 years of reading the Bible, I have never found a father in Scripture comparable to Job. Not one. I looked at Abraham, and yes, I, I understand Abraham had some accomplishments, and I looked at Isaac and Jacob, and, and I, but all of these men were men that were incomplete. Their, their lives were chaos. Even though they were men that feared God, they, their families was just, it seemed that their families were always tore up. I mean, when, when, when you imagine that, that the women of these great men of God, Abraham, Isaac, they never got to see their grandchildren because of all the chaos in their family and all the bitterness that went on in their family. How many families do we have represented here today? Some of you have never seen your father. Some of you have no idea what's going on in your family because it's always seemingly been tore up. And we have, now we have in America, where we, we have a lot of this in America. In fact, more in America than anywhere else in the world. We have what we call blended families. That means busted families that have tried to repair the holes. And we wind up with multiple marriages and we have multiple wives and multiple children. And they're called blended families. And then we have some here today that have never even known their father. Our youngest daughter, Jasmine, was a drug baby. And she, she don't even, she, she knows of him now and, and she's actually met him, but she never knew anything about her father. There are a lot of homes like that. I have a daughter-in-law who never, never saw her father until she was grown and that was one brief visit. This is America that we live in now. And we have taken, I have an old friend that's a Jew and I mean, he's a real Jew. Looks like he just climbed down off the mountain. And he came to me many years ago and he told me one day, he said, Brother East, what we Jews have did to the Old Testament, you Christians have successfully did the same thing to the new. We messed up everything God gave us. And he said, Christians have done the same things to the New Testament. We've twisted it, we've added to it, we've taken from it, we've rebuilt it, we've restructured it, we've spun it, we've become spin doctors of the gospel, and we've made something that was beautiful and something that re represented everything that God was. We've turned it into a man-made object. This church right here is a member of, of the United Pentecostal Church Organization. That is, that is an organization of ministers around the world that comprise that organization. That's what it is. The United Pentecostal Church Organization. But I can tell you, and I have discussed this with the leaders of the United Pentecostal Church. The United Pentecostal Church Organization is not the church of Jesus Christ in its entirety. It is an organization. And an organization is always subject to the organism. The church of Jesus Christ is a living thing. It's not a place. You may get up on Sunday morning and say, hey, it's Father's Day. I'm going to go to church on Father's Day. You're not going to church. 
When you come to the building, you will see that the church has gathered here because the church is an organism. It's alive. And every individual that has experienced the new birth, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, been born again of the water and the Spirit, simply repented of their sins, been baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, and filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that means they have become the church. So when we get up in the morning, I left the hotel this morning. I didn't come to church. I was the church and I was headed to a meeting with a bunch of other people that make up the church. So the organization is not the church in its entirety. But the church is part of the organization. The organization should never rule over the organism because the organism is the living, breathing spirit of God that dwells inside of us. And we must always be subject to that spirit. That's good stuff, isn't it? I don't care what they say down in New Zealand. You that are here today, you're not here by accident. You're here by design. Well, it's Father's Day. I wanted to go with my son or my daughter, or I wanted to go with my dad. You know, special day. And you think that that's why you're here. I've got some news for you. You're not here because your dad's here. You're here because God, somewhere along the line, made a plan. And he said, I'm going to have him here today. And I'm going to give him or her another opportunity to come to me and to seek my face and to get into the Father's hand, the real Father's hand, and learn how they can live in the future. So you came for a purpose. Everyone's here for a reason. Everybody in this building today is here for a reason. There is a purpose for you being here. You are here because God wants to be part of your life. There is no other reason. There is no other future for you. If God is not part of your life, you don't have a future. You're going to live out the rest of your years and build whatever you're going to build and buy whatever you're going to buy and then you're going to go the way of all flesh. But if you'll leave here today and say, God, I've been running long enough. I've been waiting long enough. I've been making enough excuses. I've went to church on Easter, Mother's Day and Christmas and this and so on long enough. I today, God, want to establish my own relationship with you. I can't make it on daddy's program or daddy's testimony. You have to have your own. We have to have our own testimony. Well, you know, why would we? Because the scripture says that if you're to overcome anything, any obstacle, any problem in life, the Bible says that you are overcomers. By the word of your, that's personal, that, 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 that personal your, you are overcomers by the word of your testimony. So ask yourself this question, if you have no testimony, how in the name of God and everything that's right do you expect to overcome what's coming in our world? We like to term the best is yet to come. 
And in fact, I told a, a minister friend of mine that several months ago, I said, for you, the best is yet to come. But we cannot blanket that statement for the whole world and say the best is yet to come. The best is not yet to come. The worst is yet to come. We've not bottomed out yet. We may as well be honest with ourselves. Our world is folding up around us. It's not going to get better. It is going to get worse because love has abandoned this world. And when the love of God is gone, there's nothing left but hate. But where, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. How could that be if we're getting so bad? As long as there is one bona fide, tested, tried, and proven Christian alive on this world, then grace is still abounding. And grace is still the conquering force of the entire planet. Isn't it interesting that in the book of Job, which incidentally, the book of Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible. Isn't it interesting that in the book of Job, it begins by saying that the devil was walking to him. See, he's the prince of this place. You mustn't ever forget that, that the devil's the prince of this place. When he was cast out of heaven, guess where he went? He's here. The devil, pardon me for the term, we used to use this term a lot when I was growing up. If, uh, you know, they talk about a punk, you know, where you're a little punk, you know, and all that stuff. Well, the devil ain't no punk, I'm going to tell you. He's a real dude. And that cat is strong. And you can't whip him. In fact, you are no match for him. He'll eat you up and spit you out. You may think you're a match for the devil, but you're not. And you'll never be a match for the devil until you, you experience this new birth that I talked about a few moments ago. Because once the new birth takes place, you're not running on your own resources anymore. Now you can truthfully say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now you're not a match for the devil, but he that lives inside of you. He takes up your fight. It said he was walking to and fro. Isn't it amazing that Peter warned us about that? He said, your adversary, the devil, goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's going to and fro. He's still doing it. And he's, listen, he's getting fat. Well, now, wait a minute. That's not scriptural. Yes, it is. Even the Old Testament writer said, hell has enlarged herself. Hmm, what happens when you enlarge and you run out of room? So, you know, somebody asked me a while back, they said, man, you put on some weight. I said, yeah, they said, you know, men, we ask these questions. You don't walk up to a woman and say, wow, you've put it on, honey. <laughs> Any man does, that's a fool. What size you up to now? Yeah, you want to end your marriage? That's a good way to do it. You don't need to go cheat on your wife. Just start doing that. You won't be around long. But men, we do that. Son, you're putting it on around there, ain't you? You know, and it don't bother us at all because we're men. That's what men do. And somebody asked me, they said, what size pants are you wearing now? I said, well, I wear a 36. But a 38 feels so good. I've been wearing a 40. I like to have a little room to move around in there, you know. 
has enlarged herself. Why? Because the devil's going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the more he devours, the more he gets, the bigger he gets. He's, he's enlarged his kingdom. And I'm going to tell you, his kingdom is expanding at a rapid rate because people are listening to his message. That's why we have so much trouble in America. Let's, let's focus on America. I can't help what's happening in Indonesia. May not can help what's happening here. But I'm going to tell you this. Our world is not a good place. And you don't have to be a rocket science to figure that out. So the devil is still doing what he was doing then. What I'd like to ask you is, do you reckon you're on God's short list? That God could say, hey, Satan, what are you up to today? He said, oh, I'm just walking around to and fro in the earth. I'm looking things over. And, and you know, these people down here, they're really a worthless lot. You know that, don't you, God? I know you put a lot of stock in them, but look at them. Look how they live. They'd rather have a mall and 60 restaurants than they had to have another night of service. They'd rather have a bigger bank account than a bigger knowledge of the holy word of God. They count success as to how much money you got and how much property you own, how big your business is. They don't understand that success without honor is failure. God said to the devil, well, before you go any further, have you considered my servant Job? That was the first meeting. They had two. Have you considered my servant Job? I wonder if, if today, uh, or maybe tomorrow morning being Monday, start the week off, you know, our work week, start the morning, tomorrow morning, and, and, and the devil's walking to and fro, and maybe he could still have one of these same kind of meetings. You see, there's a lot of stuff we don't even know. Where they have this meeting? Who do they think they are having a meeting not telling us? Because we're in control. We're not in control of anything. Just take a deep breath and thank God for it, because he could stop the next one from coming. It's like that one fellow told, he said, there ain't no God. And the other, this fellow said, there is a God. He said, I know there's a God. He said, no, there's not. He said, I can do anything God can do. He said, God, God took and made us from, from, from dirt. And the guy said, I could probably do that too. I'll figure out the scientific matter. He went and did his studies and put pi and square and, and dot and symbol and all of this other stuff that they put in. When he got done, he got out there and got him a bucket of dirt and he started to, to, to put some water in it to mix it, mix it up and make whatever he was going to make. And a voice came down from heaven and said, hey, use your own dirt. I don't care if you're a sinner or saint, black or white, heavy or light, big or small, rich or poor. It does not matter. If you take another breath today, it will be the divine ordination of God to allow you to have it. Whether you even believe he exists or not, it is God who controls everything you do. So I wonder if God could say, well, devil, I know you've been out walking to and fro the whole earth and they can do that. See, these, these guys, well, they got powers we don't know about. Well, have you considered my servant Dave? I wonder if you're on, Dave, if you're on God's short list, Dave. I wonder if you're on God's short list. Jeff, I wonder if your name's there that God could... You see, we think that whenever we have troubles... We're being punished. 
we did something wrong. I'm not living right. I did something to somebody. And sometimes that could be the case. But we think every time that something goes wrong, uh-oh, what'd I do? What'd I do? Where'd I, where'd I stump my toe? Where'd I go wrong? Did it ever occur to you that maybe God has had a conversation with the devil and said, have you considered my servant Richard? And go ahead and pour it on him because he's not going to fall and he's not going to fail and he's not going to go backwards and he's not going to deny me or denounce me. He will stand tall. Go ahead, devil. Maybe that God sometimes is showing you off. Maybe God's using you as an instrument of righteousness to show the devil and all of his angels, I got some people down there. And they're real. They're real. You can leave here today in that category. You can leave here today and be on God's short list. So Job was doing what he always did. He got up every single morning. Every morning. And had 10 burnt offerings for his children. Whew, that's impressive. Why'd you do, why are you doing that, Job? Well, it could be that, see, we don't do these burnt offerings no more. We don't have to do that. We, in fact, we can't do it. Did you know that's one of the four impossibilities of God for us to use some burnt offerings and sacrifice to attract the presence of God into our lives? It's an impossibility. The Bible said it's impossible for a bull or a cow or, or a goat to become the sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus Christ became the sacrifice for us. So we can't get up every morning and go out and offer a bull or an ox for our children, ever how many you may have. I'd have to do six of them a day because I got six living children, but I don't have to do that. So how do I make this? Son, I'm feeling something now. How do I get to making these sacrifices like Job did? I can't go kill no bull. I can't slaughter no goat. The Bible said present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Could I get up every morning and make a sacrifice of prayer? Could I make a sacrifice of myself for the kingdom of God for my children? Why would I do that? It's my job. That was Job's job to care for his family. I can't find anybody else in the Bible that did that. At least there's no record of it. Every day, his children, Brother Kylie, were grown. How many years did he do it? How old were they? I don't know. 20, 25, 30, grown. If he did it for 30 years, 30 years, that's 365 days a year. That's 3,650 times a year this man made these sacrifices. Over a 10-year period of time, dear goodness gracious, 3,650 times. Three times that is almost 11,000 times. 11,000 sacrifices. This man sacrificed 11,000 animals in hopes that God would save his children. And look what happened to him. 
unbeknownst to him. He had no idea. Job, Job, you didn't know this book hadn't been written. You couldn't, you couldn't reference it. You couldn't just turn over and say, where does it say that's going to happen? He didn't know. He only knew that he feared God. Why is it so important to fear God? Because the Bible said that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. The fear of God, the whole duty of man, the first, the commandment greater, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of a man. If to fear God is your entire duty, what other duty is there? And that's what Job did. You want your family to be saved? That's what I want. And believe me, they've given me a ride. But I ain't quitting. I'm going to keep on every day. Every day, multiple times, every day. Every day I'm doing what I know. I'm praying, God, touch them. I fast. I seek the face of God for my family. I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm going to tell you this. I know it is going to happen. How do I know? Because the Bible said, now abide of these three, faith, hope, and charity. And the greatest of these is charity, which is love. I had a, a minister call me yesterday. He said, man, I got a question for you. He said, I'm, I'm wanting to preach about, about faith and hope. I said, okay, go ahead. He said, well, they're the same thing, aren't they? I said, absolutely not. He said, oh, they're not? He said, how come they're not? I said, because the Bible said hope will never make you ashamed. And the Bible said that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So before you can have the faith to do it, you, you got to have the hope that it'll happen. And if you hope long enough that it graduates into faith, then faith will do the trick and faith will make the turn. I don't know when it's going to happen. I only know that it's going to happen. I'm going to keep on till God does it because it's the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. I think if Job were alive today, that's the way he would handle it. I think Job would present his body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. I've never made a sacrifice. I've cleaned a fish, a deer, I didn't like that. I had never liked it. I mean, you, you start getting tearing them animals. I don't like all that stuff. But, you know, we're men. We go hunt. We do, that's what we do. We fish. That's what we do. But can you imagine getting up every morning of your life? Can you imagine, Brother Barningham? Get up every morning before you go to work and go outside and build a fire and kill a bull? The closest most of us get to killing a bull is we're full of bull. Every day. Why? Because Job loved his children. And so God told the devil, he said, you do whatever you, you want to. He said, just you don't hurt him. I'm going to let you go. I'm, I'm going to let you test him. Go ahead. You can't hurt him. Devil went down there and said, okay. So Job's sitting at home one day, everything's just like it's always been. He's doing great. Him and his wife, who knows what they were doing in the house. They may have been having a meal, just enjoying life. And a servant comes in and says, man, I got bad news. He said, what? He says, and, and I'm not going to put them in, in chronological order here. He comes in and says, you know, we were out there and, and, and your men was with the herds and the Sabaeans came and 
They've taken everything. They're, they're all gone. The camels are gone. Donkeys are gone. Sheep are gone. Everything's gone. Job, you ain't got nothing left. Everything's gone. Everything that you owned is gone in one swoop. And before Job could even catch a blink, another servant came in and said, I got bad news. He said, all your kids gathered together and were having a feast. They were having just a family reunion get together like they always do. Bible said they did it. And he said, wind came. A big wind come out of nowhere, smote the building. And all your children are gone. They're all gone, Job. Don't, you know, how quick can a whirlwind come up and do something like that? I was talking to a preacher one day in a fine hotel. We were in a big fancy Sheraton hotel and I had met him there and he was, he was uh, kind of going astray. And so they had asked me to meet with him and I met with him in that city. We, we, we flew in there, I believe, and, and I met, met with him. And, and he talked more monkey shine to me. I mean, we, we talked for two hours, me, him, and his wife. And they were having troubles. And he told me, man, he just, well, brother, elder, and uh, bishop, you know, and all this stuff. And he was wearing them designer clothes and them fancy shoes. And you could tell he really thought he was somebody. This was the cat's meow. When this cat looked at the mirror, he thought it should speak to him. And so he sat there and me and his wife were sitting there and I went through all this stuff and he's just, oh, this, that, and he's down very spiritual. And about two hours of that and I said to his wife, I said, ma'am, would you mind excusing your husband? Now we're gonna go downstairs to the lobby. And he said, she said, oh, well, sure, is, is everything okay? I said, no, it's fine. I just, I just wanted to talk to him alone. I turned to him, I said, sir, would that be agreeable with you? He said, well, sure, elder, I'd be happy to go with you and stood up, you know, and putting all that stuff on me. You know, I had smoke blowing. And we went downstairs, this huge lobby. It was, it was bigger than this, this in here. Nice, nice hotel. Fancy, I didn't pay for the room because it wouldn't have been there, I can tell you that. And we're sitting there, beautiful sunshine day like it is today, about one o'clock in the afternoon, lovely day. And, and the sun and the people are on the streets of the city and it's just a great day. And we're talking and we sat down to, to talk and I looked at him, I said, Brother, I said, I just got something I want to say. And he said, oh, okay, what is that? I said, for two hours, you've been up there blowing smoke in my face. I said, you've lied more times than the law allows. I said, I know what you've been doing. I know who you've been doing. Don't tell me any of this stuff. I said, don't sit here and lie to me. God's on to you, man. And now God's going to give you an opportunity to make this right. You're going to confess and do what's right or you're all done. How's that? Man, yeah, ouch, that's a good term. We didn't have, we, I would have said amen, but ouch is better. And he, he, he was stunned. And he said, well, 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 you know how people do, well, well, well. You know, people always find these little words that they can use to buy a little time because they're trying to think of what to say. And he had all the words earlier, but he lost them all there. Now, I said, no, God's got you figured out. For you, the monkey died, the show's over. We stop right here today. And before he could give me an answer, I looked outside. Now, you don't have to believe this. It won't matter to me at my age. Who cares? And I looked on the road right out. I mean, we're downtown of a metropolitan city of two million people. And I looked outside and I see a tornado. But it was a small tornado. And it was, I mean, it was active. It was sucking stuff off off the streets, garbage cans flying through the air. And it was coming right toward that glassed-in building we were in. People in there saw it. People started to run away. 
but it hit that building and it swung the door open and started sucking stuff off the tables in there, even where he and I was. And everybody jumped up, was trying to close that door. We finally got it closed. That little tornado went off and it was gone. But son, I can tell you one thing. That old boy's life changed right there. And I made it clear to him. I said, have I got your attention now? I think there's a lot of people that's waiting for a whirlwind or some kind of a supernatural event to, to spark their thinking or to, I'll do it, well, I'll do it. I'm just not ready to do it right now. You, you better stop thinking like that. Job was one of these men that just took things as they went because he, he believed God was in control. And when he got this news, he had lost everything. Try to envision everything. I don't know how many children you may have. Try and envision yourself losing all your children. And Job, his wife, even was having doubts. But Job was not giving in. Job said, no. He said, I'm not gonna give. And his wife told him, she said, Job, you got to rethink this. You know, if it had stopped there, it would have been one thing, but... It didn't stop there because the devil went and met up with God again. And the second time he said, you think them people down there are serving you for nothing? You've got a fence built around them, God. Come on. That's the only reason they're serving you. You've got a fence around them. Can't nothing touch them and they know it. And God said, well, let me just repeat what I said at the last time we met. Have you considered my servant Job, and God points out. I think God did this deliberately. Remember the scripture where the Bible said Jesus was talking to Peter, and he said, Peter, I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. That's something. Jesus, who is God manifest in the flesh, who's he praying to? But yet, the flesh of Jesus Christ was trying to relate to Peter and that was the only way he could do it. He said from the fleshly side of Jesus Christ, he said, I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail. My God, that's incredible. God looked at the devil and he said, hey, Job fears God and he hates evil. He shuns it. He won't come near it. Shun, the Bible said, the very appearance of evil. How many of you are walking right on the line of the sidewalk? As close as you can get. You ever seen a kid? We used to have them old space heaters, remember? Little kids, they were always mesmerized at those things. because They glowed. They'd get red hot, man. I mean, they'd, they'd take the hide right off your hand. But a child would get around it. And, and I, I've touched one. They'd get around it, and, and they wanted to get as close as they could without touching it. We do that as adults. We get as close to something as we can without touching it, thinking that maybe we're going to slip the wool over God's eyes, slip the britches on him as we used to call it. You're not fooling God. You can't fool God. We get as close as we can. But Job wasn't like that, and he shunned evil. He wouldn't go near it. If it didn't sound good, he didn't listen to it. If it didn't sound right, he wouldn't say it. You got a hedge about him. That's why, that's why he serves you. 
So go touch him. She can't kill him, but you can touch him. Next thing you know, Job went from good health on Monday to poor health on Tuesday, so poor that he would die. His entire body was covered in boils. That meant that his body was possessed of corruption and poison that there was no help for him. Eventually, he dies, and he knows it. So he goes in, strips all of his clothes off, gets some burlap. You know what burlap is? Remember toe sacks? You ever heard of a toe sack? Old burlap bags, they're real rough material. He got one and made him like a serape and put it over his body to cover his nakedness. Then he went out and we used to have dung piles. That's where the refuse was, the waste. You know, we, we outhouse, but there was no outhouse. It was just in the open. It was an open house. How about that? And he climbed up on top of that smelly, you know why? Because he stunk. That corruption stinks. And he had so many that he couldn't tend to them. So he got him a wood, a piece of wood and made him a paddle. And he would take that paddle and scrape those sores. Scrape that, that, that corruption off. And his wife, she says, do you still maintain your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? Well, that would probably be an improvement. But not in Job's thinking. Job says, you speak like a foolish woman. You speak, that's not even, a, that's not even an option. You speak like a foolish woman. God gives, God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job maintained his integrity in all of this. If that wasn't enough, his friends turned on him. Funny when you lose all your money, folks sometimes don't, don't like you no more. Long as you got all the money, everybody wants to be your friend. Man, you want to go get a cup with me? How about a cup of coffee? Let's go have a hamburger together. And then you lose all your money and you ain't got nothing and they're hiding from you. Job's friends came and at one point they sat for seven days and looked at him while he's on that dung pile. Then they started talking bad to him, telling him it's his own fault and how, you know, you're, you, you caused this, Job. You got too much pride. Why don't you get rid of your pride? I don't know how you can have no pride on no dung pile. But Job refused. And, and I could go on and talk about all the torment that Job went through for an hour and a half and, and it, wouldn't, it wouldn't accomplish anything. There are two types of evil. Job turned away from evil. There's the evil that confronts us from the world and then there's the evil that confronts us from within. It's stuff that we bring on ourselves. Stuff that we make happen. Devil had nothing to do with it. We did it. He gets blamed for everything, and a lot of it, he had nothing to do with it. It was us that did it. Job is the best example in the scripture that I have ever seen of a godly father. Job feared God. I can't find anybody like him in all of the word of God. Job was pure in every sense of the word. He, even, he said he made a covenant with his eyes that he would never look. He would never look at anything that wasn't right. He, he practiced that, that sexual purity. Job was a man like no other. And when it came time for Job to shine for God, 
He did an excellent job. Real quickly, and again, I don't have time to elaborate on these. Job was a man of honesty. He said, I have walked in falsehood. If I have walked in falsehood or my foot has turned or hurried after deceit, God, I want you to get rid of that. Job was a man of integrity. He said, in my heart, if I have ever been enticed by a woman or if I have ever lurked at my neighbor's door, God, I want you to forgive me. Not taking no chances. Job was a man of humility. When he was approached, he admitted wrongs. He said, if I have denied justice to my servants, my men servants, my maid servants, when they had a grievance against me, God, you got to get rid of that. He was a man of generosity. He said, if I have denied the desires of the poor or let the eyes of the widow grow weary, God, forgive me, God, I got to fix that. He was a man of modesty. He put his trust in God, not money. If I have put my trust in gold or said to pure gold, you are my security, God, you got to fix this. What a guy. He was a man of self-control. He guarded his tongue and he, he didn't gloat over troubles of those who were his enemies. He was a man who kept his promises. Job 31, 38 through 40 talks about how that Job took his promises serious. In virtue and in character and integrity, he feared God. And that fear caused him to live a life of good character. That fear caused him to love his family. That fear drove him to be a man of success, but a man of honor and a man of integrity. It's easy to say, well, he's a good father. He provides a good living for his family. Do, do we think that that makes us a good father? Well, he takes some fishing and hunting and, and that makes us a good father. Those are things that are good. That's good to create relationship with your families. But what can you really do as a father that will change the hearts and the lives of your children? There's nothing that you can do outside of fearing God that's any greater. Job, you know, it's interesting Job didn't have no internet. There was no iPhones and no rock and roll music where Job lived and no automobiles, no transgender cross-dressers and no rated R movies. Job didn't experience all those problems. So you could say, yeah, well, we live in a different world. Whose fault is that? Did God create all this stuff? Do you honestly believe... Are we so naive that we will say, well, if God hadn't intended it to happen, it wouldn't have happened? Are you really serious? You could actually think that? Well, if God could have stopped them from dying, and, and, and why didn't he stop them from dying? God didn't make them die. Did it ever occur to you, you know, how can you smoke two packs of cigarettes for 45 years and then blame God because you got cancer? Look at the stuff we put in us. And then when we develop an ulcer, you know, and we, we don't change nothing. And then we blame God for the problem. It's not God's fault. It's not his fault. You know, I, I, I don't want to sound coarse or hard-hearted, but, you know, this guy's out swimming underwater 
messing with them fish and stuff down there and that one spears him through the heart and kills him and millions of people on TV were, were grieved. What's he doing out there messing with them things? Why would you do that? You know, go to South America. They turn him, that bull loose and thousands of people line the streets and this bull's running around. They're all letting him chase them and run them and then somebody gets gored and they make him a hero. The bull's not playing. We do things to ourselves and then blame God for it. What do you expect to happen to your children if you give them a free reign? If you don't teach them guidelines and boundaries, if you don't tell them this is wrong, you can't do that. What kind of a church are we if we don't set boundaries for the people that say, I'm part of the church? Why do you think that God put apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the church? He put them there to regulate. He has an obligation, a duty, that he has to say, brother, you know, I want to come over tonight. Could I sit down with you and your wife and let's have a talk? Could we have a cup of coffee? Could we drink a glass of tea? I want to tell you you're doing wrong. Are we so afraid that we may lose somebody? That we'll become an enemy because we tell the truth? We have obligations. What kind of a father are you? Let me, let me take that a step further. Every one of you that are in this building represent the authority and the, the figure of that father nature. You say, but I'm a woman. You know, I don't want to discount Mother's Day, but before... There were fathers before there were mothers. Father was first. Now, I know that after Adam, that couldn't happen. But before Adam, the father was before the mother. And God the father was the procreator of Adam. So that made him Adam's father. And God simply said to them, here's the guidelines for this garden that you're in. We don't know how big it was, but it, it was, it was a, an easy way to live. It's eternal life. They, they're never going to be sick. Nobody's going to wear no glasses. We're not going to have no problems. There won't be no divorces. There's, there's not going to be any of that. Everything's perfect. Who messed up the garden? It wasn't God that messed it up. Can we ask God to lie and say, God, would you just pretend you didn't tell us not to do that? What kind of God would he be? You're blaming God for a lot of things that God had nothing to do. And remember, it, one of those other four impossibilities is it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible. He cannot lie. So if God said, look, one, two, three, four, here's the four things you got to do. You do these four things. I'm going to do these four things. He, he's willing to do his four things if you do your four. But you don't do your four and then still want God to do his four. Is that fair? Can that be justified? What kind of father would he be? You see, I have to act like a father. Even to my grandchildren, my two little granddaughters here. I have to act like a father figure to them. They look at their grandmother and they warm up to her and say, we can, we can persuade her. But then they look at me and they think, well, he represents discipline. Let's be a little bit careful here what we say. But they love me. They want to be with me. That's why they're here right now. 
So I represent that figure to them. What are you representing to your church, to your children, to everybody that's looking at you? What do you represent? I, can't, I, have, to, I have to repeat this story about R.G. Lee. R.G. Lee was an old timer from back in the 1800s. And he had a man in his church one day that diphtheria was a disease that was feared. I mean, if you got diphtheria, you were going to die. There was no, no known treatment or cure for it. We don't have that no more. And, but they had it then. And he had this beautiful little boy. Didn't say how old he was, but he was somewhere between six and ten. And he had taught this boy. He loved this boy. This was the apple of his eye. And the little boy got diphtheria. And they said he's going to die. So they put him into their hospital. And when the dad went down and said, can we see him? He said, of course, but you'll have to put on a gown and a mask. Let's stand together. Would you do that? We'll have to put on a gown and a mask because he's contagious. Or you might give him something. We don't know, but you got to do it. And so they did. And he walked into his son's room and he said, son, how are you? He said, daddy, why are you dressed like that? His dad said, well, I have to, son. You're a very sick little boy. And he said, Daddy, am I going to die? I like that last song y'all sang earlier. I want to sit at your feet. I used to do that. I'd sit at the feet of my dad. And he taught his boy never to lie. And he said, am I going to die? And his daddy said, that's what they say. And the little boy turned away. A moment later, his dad said to him, he said, son, he looked at him, he said, yes, sir. Are you afraid? And the little boy thought for a moment and he said, Daddy, if Jesus is anything like you, then I'm not afraid. What, what kind of an impression have you left? Could God show you off today? Mamas, this ain't Mother's Day, but I don't want you to feel left out. Because there's no more requirements of a father than there is of a mother. Are you on God's short list? What kind of an impression have you left? And now the church. Look at all of you. Some of you don't have children. Some of you are single. So your example, it's the same. You have to be an example to everyone in the building. That obligation's upon you. Because when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter whether you're a father, a son, a mother, a daughter, an aunt, an uncle, a niece, a nephew, a cousin, a friend, a stranger. When you come to God, the obligation is the same. All of us have the same obligation. I can see Job. 
If I closed my eyes, I could actually see him sitting on top of a dung pile. And his wife walks up to him and says, Job, you miserable wretch. What are you doing? Why don't you curse God and die? Why do you continue to sit there? People are mocking you. People are going by. You're a spectacle. Why don't you curse God and die? Job did not say what I'm going to say. Job did say, you speak like a foolish woman. But I think that in his heart, Job was saying, I can't. Because this is my job. That's my job. It's to fear God. To keep his commandments. It's the whole duty. Duty. It's my job description. To fear God. And keep his commandments. What do your grandchildren see in you? What do your great-grandchildren see in you? What do your sons and daughters see in you? And what do the children of this church see in you? Only you know where you are. I want to tell you something. This is a probably a hard statement, but we, one day we're going to hear the last sermon. I mean... It's going to happen. One day I'm going to preach my last sermon. One day I'm going to see them for the last time. And the only thing I can do then is say, God, did I do enough? Have I done enough? Have I been a good enough grandpa? Are they going to, someday if I'm gone, are they going to say, you know, I'd like to go here and do that and do this and do the other, but if Grandpa were here, he'd tell me that's not the right thing for me to do. So I've got to leave enough of me here that they'll always remember Papa. What if Papa were here? What would he do? What if Dad were here? Gosh, some of you that have lost your parents, have you ever wished, wish mama was here where I could just sit down and talk to her? My dad, this Father Day, he'd be 100 years old this year. And just the other day, one of my boys came up to me and he said, Daddy, I sure do miss Papa lately. I wish he was here. Because he had such an impact on Are you on God's list? Can God show you off? Can you stand in the time of trouble? Are your kids getting what they need from you? Is this world really that important? Are we trying to buy our children and buy our grandchildren with stuff?
Papa, will you get the oil and put it on me? That's what I want them to remember. Papa, can I pray over the food today? My God, what are we leaving behind us here? Where are we going? What are we thinking? Our world's never been in this condition. But we, we allowed the devil to make us believe that we were going to live forever. That, oh, it'll fix itself. We've been in trouble before. It'll turn around. Oh, it's just a political thing. This is not a political thing. This is a biblical thing. Where do we start? Start right now. How about right now? Papas, mamas, grandmas, grandpas, mamas, daddies. Let's start right now. What do you say? How about Father's Day being a real Father's Day? Where Father steps to the plate. Where fathers take wives and mama's hands and say, honey, I could have did more. I really haven't done as much as I could, but today, this is a good day. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to be different. I'm going to stop thinking I can buy my children and the sacrifice is not going to be I'm going to take two days off and go to the ball game. The sacrifice is going to be me. I'm going to present myself, my body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God because it's the reasonable thing for me to do. Got any daddies here who want to help me out today? Who'd like to be the first daddy that wants to make a change? What'd you think I was going to do? Pass out cigars? Who'd like to be the first father? Grandfather? The first fathers. The fathers of the church. Grandpa, if Jesus is anything like you, I'm not afraid. Daddy, if anything, if Jesus is anything like you, I'm not afraid. Go ahead, devil. Pour it on him. He's got a relationship with me. If he doesn't have, he's about to get one. Father's God. We're the answer for the world today. Folks, just look across here. I, plead, I, I, I 
It's not noon yet. It's quarter to 12. I would pray that not one soul would leave this building till we've talked to God. It'd be so wonderful if you ladies, every one of you that would, would come and stand behind these men and pray that God would touch them. Help them, anoint them. Use them, God, for your glory and for your honor. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.